Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Field stepping away from the pressure again. Throws this time to the end zone. Tight window for Horstead. He held on. Touchdown. That's a hell of a throw. There it is. Looking right there. for Horstead again. Jesper Horstead finding the end zone twice. Oh, look at Jesper Horstead. Is this going to be a triple play? Three touchdowns. Now it all begins. You've waited, waited long and long enough. It's almost time, time, time. The season, season, season is upon us. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Did we just become best friends? Yep. It's the Bears Nation podcast. Well, we do know the fate of a lot of different players on the Chicago Bears. Yesterday was cut day. Rosters are getting finalized as we speak. We are 11 days away from regular season Bears football. We are almost there. This is the last show of ours where we have to talk about preseason. We have to talk about roster configuration because next week we finally, finally, finally get to start previewing an actual game after months and months and weeks of waiting. It's going to be great. We have a lot to talk about today from roster configuration to who got cut, who's on the practice squad, people that need to be brought in because, oh, brother. Do there need to be players that need to be brought into some of these rooms, guys who have gone on IR? And there's a lot to talk about today, Kevin. There's a lot to talk about with 11 days left to go in the season. The roster is starting to take shape. It's it's an interesting time to be a a Bears observer. Uh, It is an interesting time. And like I said last week, I said it's going to surprise you. The 53-man roster every year, for some reason, it, it surprises you. There's guys who for whatever reason, get cut, and then they get brought back in the practice squad. But then there's always that period, that 24-hour waiver period, where everyone's like, what the hell is going on? Are they going to clear waivers? And it's just, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess after the cut day. Um, But there were some some surprises, Jake. There were some serious surprises uh, and some serious concerns, I would say, as a result of those surprises (laughs) at some specific position groups when you look at the cornerbacks. Uh, the wide receivers, I would say, even the linebackers, uh, considering some injury news. But mm-hmm. let's kick it off with cornerback. Well, yeah, let's kick it off yeah. first. With our surprises, <laughs> it has to be, which which be includes okay, which includes corner. Thomas Graham Jr. was cut. Now he's been brought back. He cleared waivers, mm-hmm. brought back onto the practice squad. I was a little bit unsure he was going to clear waivers. I mean, I, I don't. I guess not. He's six round pick, but he has some talent. Brought back, but let's let's look at let's read off the active the four cornerbacks. On this roster right now, obviously you have Jalen Johnson, your number one, far and away. Then after him, I mean, it is a drop off that is of a significant margin because it goes Duke, Shelley, Kendall, Vildor, and Xavier Crawford. Cut Desmond Trufant. Trey Roberson's on season-ending IR. Um, IR. What in the hell are we gonna do at cornerback, Jake? Give me the answers, because I, I mean, this is this is uh, this is the worst position group in in the league. In the league, Jake. It might yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, here we are. It's September 1st. Here we are recording this episode of Bears Nation podcast, and you have four corners on your roster. Actually, five, because Artie Burns was brought back. I saw that a couple hours ago. So Artie Burns has been brought back. He played decently, I guess, in the preseason. He didn't play great. He didn't play terribly. He's He's serviceable, I guess. Jesus. But yeah, I mean... I want to, because we're going to talk about Thomas Graham, him getting cut. He was a six round pick. He was a guy that, you know, uh, when 
uh, when Chris Nano was on the show, RIP, but mm-hmm. you know, he said that this was a guy that he thought could have been a second or third or fourth round pick. And he was a sixth round pick and we got all high on him. We're like, all right, hell yeah. You know? And uh, then he gets cut and you know, our guy Daz Newsom gets cut and uh. they both got back to the practice squad and it's just goodness gracious, Ryan Pace. What are we doing here? I mean, the list I just want to throw to receiver really quick before we go to corner receiver alone, Ryan pace, his history reads off as the following Kevin white, Anthony Miller, Daz Newsome. Now who else about Darnell Mooney, Riley Ridley, who was cut. Um, Javon Javon Williams was a Ryan pace guy. Was he really? I, I'm pretty sure he was. Hold on, I have, I have the list somewhere. I, but I am... it, it's <laughs> it is an unreal amount of just suck. It's just an unreal <laughs> amount of suckitude from this group that of receivers that Ryan Pace seemingly gets wrong again and again and again, and it is just unbelievable. Now I have to scroll, scroll, scroll because I saw it the other day, and now I have to go find it. All right, here we go. Yeah. Here's the list. Bears wide receivers drafted by Ryan Pace. This is from our friend Joe Ostrowski. 2015, first round, Kevin White, seventh seventh overall, as we all remember. Mm -hmm. 2016, seventh round, Daniel Braverman, who I don't believe made it out of the training camp that year. Mm -hmm. 2018, second round, Anthony Miller, seventh round, Javon Wims. 2019, fourth round, Riley Ridley. 2020, fifth round, Darnell Mooney. 2021, sixth round, Daz Newsome. Two of those guys remain on the team. One is on the practice squad now. That is an unreal amount. That's seven picks. That is seven picks at wide receiver that you know, only one of them are on the active roster now. It makes it's unreal. I mean, if not for these home runs like Darnell Mooney, that the, it turned out to be, I mean, if we think that Darnell Mooney is going to be what we think he's going to be, this Ryan Pace would be getting dragged through the mud. I mean, you cut. Yeah. Two guys that you drafted this year. Granted, they're on the practice squad now, but goodness gracious, what are we doing here? That that really shouldn't ever be happening, honestly. Like, regardless no. of whether they clear weight, like that should not be happening. Like last year, we didn't cut Arlington Hambright and Lechavius Simmons, who were both seventh round offensive linemen who never saw the field. Javon they stayed Wentz has on been the here for roster. three years longer than exactly. He be. That's why it was really strange to see that happen. And it was kind of a shock because, first of all, like Although these are players who are drafted in later rounds, we know Ryan Pace has traditionally not necessarily at wide receiver, but in other position groups had success in later rounds. I mean, and well, you know, as of the, recently the, but, as well. But there were seven guys drafted in the wide receiver. I know three of them were in the top four rounds. One of them was right. the top ten pick. Right. So I that's why exactly. So his I mean, his track record at wide receiver is terrible. And then it makes you wonder, okay, you have that track record at wide receiver from a draft standpoint, but you won't pay Allen Robinson, like the one guy who can actually secure that room because apparently you can't mm-hmm. draft it. You don't want to lock him down like that. That, that to me, there's a little bit of juxtaposition there. I don't, I don't really understand that, but um, let, so the Daz Newsome thing, I, I don't know what, I don't know what surprised me more. Daz Newsom being cut or Thomas Graham. I probably say, I'll probably say Thomas Graham just because I think that position group is thinner but the thing about Dez Newsom Fair. was, first of all, he had a role at at punt returner and at kick returner. Like that, or yeah. that was a role for him. And, and you know, they just picked up. Uh, his name is Insimba. What's his last name? I just had it pulled up. They picked up Insimba. Uh, where is it? 
from the 49ers. I'm literally, uh, uh, yeah, I'm on my way. San Francisco, yeah. drafted by the Rams in 2019. He had 6.4 yards per punt return, 22 yards per kick return. But Daz Newsom was a player who, obviously, he was on our show. We interviewed him. Great time, all that. But he was a player who we thought was going to have Darnell Mooney-type projections as a rookie mm-hmm. because – you know, free Daz says KML five three one. Yes, free Daz because this is a player who, yes, he only had I think what like a few receptions in preseason. One of them was on a screen play where he kind of you know made a little juke move. This was last week, turned it into about twenty two yard reception. Uh, but this was a player we saw upside in year one and uh, a potential week one contributor where you know he's going to get the ball on some deep throws. He's going to get some screen passes and be able to turn nothing into something. So that was that's what was weird to me was that this was a player we thought had upside and potential here year one, but they see him as more of a long-term project. And this is Jake. This is the same exact conversation we had three years ago with Riley Ridley. We said this is going to be a player who is going to be contributing year one. He should be. He's a fourth rounder. We saw him on the practice squad. And look at what happened at the end of his time with the Chicago Bears. And what worries me is this is one of those things where we still don't – we like. At this point, maybe we can just say Riley Ridley wasn't good enough, but that still isn't an excuse for him not getting repetitions earlier in his career. What worries me is Daz Newsom may get that same treatment, may stay on the practice squad for whatever reason, may continue to not get reps, even when this is a wide receiver room that's really thin and not not at all stacked. So that's what yeah, concerns and, me. And Brashad Perryman was brought in from the Lions. Yes. I mean, I don't have a lot of faith in him sticking around. I I mean, he has like, he averages 15 yards per catch over his career, but he's been everywhere. Like he is, he's a younger player. Like he's not a super veteran. Like he hasn't been around around for the longest time, but he's been everywhere already. And it just makes no sense. And so I think that here's the thing with Daz. I think it was a result of the injury more than anything. He just, he just couldn't get up to speed in time. I think there's a real chance that somebody, gets cut and you know it i hate that rodney adams was a casualty of the Brashad perryman signing oh because God. rodney adams was a preseason standout and he was a fan oh. favorite he really endeared himself to the fans of the team and you choose Brashad perryman over him i get it perryman has more nfl experience but i mean adams uh, there was no i don't know i didn't like that but daz i mean at least you still have him i think you hope he gets up to speed on the practice squad and you hope that he can kind of st- still heal and get those reps. And then eventually when, if, and when somebody goes down, he can be one of those first guys you call on. But I mean, you're right. I mean, you worry about him languishing on the practice squad and never seeing the reps that he needs to become a, an impact player that we think. Yes. And let me talk Rodney Adams real quick, because this is where I see inconsistency and in how we're evaluating players here. So Rodney Adams busts his ass all of training camp, mm-hmm. uh, you know, proves to be one of the better receivers on the roster you know, catches a 73-yard touchdown in the preseason. Not only does that make countless other plays, putting up great numbers with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton, deserves a spot wholeheartedly, 100%, 1,000% deserve that spot. Made the 53-man roster. We evaluated him because he was the best player there. And then he gets cut. And all of a sudden, uh, everyone's like, uh, you know, well, you know, Perryman's not a bad, first of all, before I go any further, Perryman's not a bad pickup, like Jake mentioned. I mean, this is a player who had 645 yards receiving in six touchdowns in 2019, 505 yards receiving in three touchdowns in 2020, started his career in 2016 with Baltimore, was late, uh, most recently with the Jets. But now everyone's saying, oh, you know, this is this is the NFL, man. I don't care if you put in all the work in training camp. The best player is going to be on the roster, and the best player is Bashad Perryman. He's better than Rodney Adams, right? Best player makes the roster. Best player is going to play on Sundays. Tell me how that's how, – how is that consistent with the quarterback situation? 
And now, you know, in the quarterback situation, we're talking about pinky promises. But now when we talk about Rodney Adams and Rashad Perryman, oh, it's a cutthroat league, man. It's it's a cutthroat league. This is the NFL. The best player is going to play on Sundays. If that's the case, if you want to treat it that way, then treat it that way for the quarterback position. Treat it that way. Make Justin Fields a starter. He's the best player on Sundays. This is the fucking NFL. You know, I don't – the inconsistency there pissed me off because that's the – like, don't you see what I'm saying there? Like, I'm not saying – Roddy Adams deserved a spot just because he busted ass for three months. Like, yeah, he he deserved the spot, but you know, this is the NFL. Guys get picked up, guys go out. But if you're gonna treat it that way, which is the way maybe it should be treated, treat it that way the same for every position group at every single position, including the quarterback. So it all comes back to the quarterback. I know that's what we do on this show. I'm sorry, it all comes back to Justin (laughs) Fields at some point, but just thinking about that. It, it, it ticked me off. But nonetheless, Rashad Perryman is a fine wide receiver three. He's got a lot of speed. There's going to be a lot of speed in this offense, Jake. That's the one positive. This offense is going to be freaking fast. I mean, you hope. Jesus. It's, what do you mean you hope? You have I mean, you four hope, like, really You fast hope you players. can actually, like, they've been looking for speed forever. And, yeah, yeah. you bring in Demir Bird and Marquise Goodwin and now Rashad Perryman. But, like, can you actually use those guys? And, I don't know. Like you, I mean, here we are. Here we are on the quarterback already. Um, it's, I mean, we made it 15 minutes to get to the quarterback. So honestly, that's, that's probably good. a new that's record. That's, time. A, that's probably yeah. a new record for us. Um, initial statement after that third preseason game. I mean, it's clear. I would like to reiterate my stance. Justin Fields gives you the best chance to win on Sunday, but of course, they're going to start Andy Dalton, um, and then it'll last a half. I'm prepared to say it's going to last a half. Lock that Justin in though. Lock, I want that to be a locked in prediction for you. I, I want this. I want to tweet this Dude, out. It's being said on the air ten days before lock the season. It, okay, okay, okay. So it's locked in. So you really think it's one half, one half. I I think one half at the most of the one game. I mean, you just can't okay. do it. Okay. The Rams defense <laughs> is probably still. It's a top ten unit. Still, it might be a top five yeah. unit. Yeah. And Andy Dalton is like. Everything that you read and that you saw after and during that game was Justin Fields makes the players around him better. Justin Fields got Jesper Horstead a roster spot. Like, plain and simple. Justin Fields got Jesper Horstead with three touchdowns. And, of course, a couple of those came from Nick Foles. But Justin Fields secured Jesper Horstead a roster spot by targeting him and getting involved in the pass game. And Jesper Horstead went out there and balled out in the last preseason game, and now he's on the roster as the fifth tight end. Like, he makes the players – he's been working with the backups – all year. He made Rodney Adams better. He made Jester Horstead better. And he made it seem like he wasn't going to get killed out there with the dregs of an offensive line with hardly an offensive line at all. So yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be apparent like Andy Dalton, again, we've said again and again, sure. He's a nice guy. I'm sure he's very pleasant to be around, but he just, he does not have the talent level nor the ability to get you to where you want to be. And if you truly think you're a playoff slash Super Bowl team with this current core and window that you have, it's going to be evident. And when Andy Dalton is throwing picks to uh, Jalen Ramsey and he's erratic and you're having to do screens on third and 12, like we saw last year, it's going to be evident and you're going to have to do it because you're going to feel the pressure. And I think Matt Nagy wants to go to his guy. I think he knows that. But again, I'm going to circle back to my point from last week. Those stooges in the front office, those big corporate fat cats, Ted Phillips and Ryan Pace, are saying, no, we got to lean on this. We got to lean on Andy. We made him a promise. We did this. We did that. We're paying him $10 million. There's 10 million reasons to play Andy Dalton. Don't care. I think it takes a half, a game at most, and then it's very, very clear that 
Justin Fields needs to be in this game. Every other rookie quarterback's getting the chance. If Trey Lance wasn't hurt, I mean, we before he chipped to that bone in his finger, we were talking about that. Mac Jones just got named the Mac starter Jones. by the release of, of Cam Newton. Oh. Zach Wilson starting, Trevor Lawrence starting, Justin Fields is the only one. I don't I don't know why. So I'm it, losing it my mind, Jake. Yeah, I mean hopefully Mac it happens Jones sooner rather than starting yeah. and Justin yeah. Fields isn't. Yeah. Dude, what the hell are we talking about here? What the hell we're, are we talking we're about? We're talking about the Chicago Bears organization. I, yeah, I'm, exactly. like, I'm not surprised. No, I've right. been saying this. Yeah. I've been saying this since the beginning. They were always going to go to Dalton because they're just so stubborn and they're so bullheaded. And this is the Bears. This is what they do. They do, they pull this stunt again and again and again. And we keep coming back. We keep going back. More, please, more, please, more slop for the pigs. Like that's us. That's like that we are being fed slop over and over. And over again. And then when, when it comes time for the hard questions, is Akeem Hicks getting an extension? Is Allen Robinson getting an extension? Did, mm-hmm. did Tariq Cohen have another surgery? Yeah. Ryan Pace is, ah, we can't discuss that. Ah, uh, closed door. Hello, McFly. Hello. Is anybody home? Just say yes or no. Goodness gracious. It's just, ah. It's ah! It's, it's aggravating. And look, if I'm Virginia McCaskey, and apparently, you know, we've, we've been through this conversation. We don't know how much the organization or the uh, the ownership really cares about the product on the field. Um, do you want to get embarrassed on Sunday night football again? I mean, week one Sunday night football is one of the most watched football games of the season because everyone's People hyped to get back to football. People, People are, are going, going to hate, hate watching. Bro, and like everyone, like we are going to, we are the, la- we are going to be a laughing stock of the league on, on what day is that? Is it September? I forget the actual day. I think it's the 12th. Uh, um, well, today's the, the first. Yeah. Something. <clears throat> uh, yeah, sure. Let's go with the 12th. Um, whatever it is. Sure. Uh, we are going to be the laughing stock of the league. I mean, people are going to be are we getting their popcorn ready to watch Andy Dalton try it out there against a really good Rams defense and have us get embarrassed in front of millions and millions of people. Uh, and, and then, you know, I guess the McCaskey are just okay with that. After times where we have been slaughtered, even last year on Sunday Night Football, by Aaron Rodgers, the typical victim, we've been slaughtered on primetime football before years past, and now we're just going to do it again because we have promises to make. And then there's going to be people, Jake, who are saying, well, you know, no, this is this this is the NFL. There's no promises here. It's just because they really want to do what's best for the development of Justin Fields. And Ryan Pace went on the mic today and said, this is what we want for development. But again, like I've used the Herbert example. Let's use the Dak Prescott example. Let's use Deshaun Watson example. None of these players needed to sit out. None of them. None of them. None of them needed to. None of them gained anything from sitting out the amount of games that they did. It's not an actual thing. It's not true. He's not going to learn anything from playing with the effing scout team in practice every week. It's beyond ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. I'm sick of it. Uh, Maybe, uh, I don't know. One half, like, Again, like it hurts me. I don't want to admit that that's the case because then it's just so it's 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 almost more illogical and idiotic that oh we're just gonna throw them out there for a half, but we didn't have the ambition to just do it from the start. Well, Kevin, I, I don't know. What you, oh, there you go. Your microphone cut out for a little bit, but that's cool. Oh. Anyway, it's all right. But anyway, no, I mean you're right. It, it that's always the case, and it's just it's embarrassing and it's stupid and it makes no sense. And like I said, I I think I said this before on the show, it's going to be so bears when they're down 17 points at halftime and Justin Fields comes in and they lose by, by a hair, by one unlucky bounce of the ball, they're going to lose. And it's going to be like, all right, well, we could have won if this had been from the beginning. And then it's going to be a whole domino effect that we talk about all season. But yeah, I mean, Justin Fields needs to start sooner rather than later. I mean, it's as simple as that. Hopefully, 
We said it last week. Hopefully Matt Nagy is in the same mindset he was with Mitch Trubisky. First mistake. All right, you're done. You're out. So we'll see if he's allowed to do that. We'll see if he's allowed, of, allowed out of his proverbial room uh, and allowed to be a big boy and coach a game like he wants to. But who knows? I mean, we haven't seen that half the time, I feel like. Um, one other thing, uh, because we talk about the quarterback all the time. So, you know, we, we, we've we we've beat this horse to death we have. over and over and over again. We're over sorry. Month, at We're least. sorry, listeners. Um, I, I want to circle back to cornerback because that is a legitimate concern. You have yeah. five. You brought back Artie Burns. I guess he's going to be the slot. I mean, Kendall Wilder's the number two, right? Yeah, yeah. They're rolling Which with is their fine. own. I, I am actually fine with that because Kendall Wilder, he did play pretty pretty well, decently in the preseason. And it sounds like he played good in practice, which I mean, it's practice or whatever. But he played better than I think we expected from a guy who didn't get a ton of reps over the last couple of years. Is he going to get targeted to hell on Sunday night oh by Matt Stafford? God. And is Artie oh Burns going to get targeted God. to hell? Yes, absolutely. He's going to make their life miserable probably. But, I mean, that's – you're rolling the dice. Now, this could change. Everything that we talk about today as far as the roster, that could change tomorrow because a lot of guys were cut today from different yeah, teams. True. Guys that, you know, like there were surprise cuts on the Bears, there's surprise cuts everywhere. So who knows who you could pick up possibly – this could change tomorrow and we could be like, okay, that looks a little better. Granted, it's still not great that this is the group you're going in with and you have to rely on the waivers and you've got to hope that someone else's trash is your treasure. Not a great situation to be in, but it is the situation that you are in. I mean, one injury to that corner room. I mean, Jalen Johnson, uh, Jalen Johnson gets hurt again. You're screwed. Oh, the people put up 50 on us each week. I mean, 60, maybe like it. Well, so Personally, watching game three against the Titans, I mean, Matt Barkley was – and the other quarterback – what was the other guy's name? He had a funny name. I don't remember it. Um, we're picking apart Kendall Vildor. I mean, they were going after yeah. him. You know, he, he was he was getting juked out by, you know, third-string wide receivers, couldn't tackle for crap. He did not look good. He was very concerning, and that's why I tweeted out. And people are going to criticize me. I said, Thomas Graham should be CB3 or CB2. I tweeted that out on Sunday, and I'll stand by that because – or Saturday, I'll stand by that. Uh, because I didn't see anything that made me believe Kittle Vildor, Vildor is any more capable than he is. And yeah. Trey Roberson has a pick six. And I'm like, okay, Trey Roberson might be CB3. Like, he, at least he's doing well, he's something. He's on IR now. And now he's on IR. Exactly. Now he's on season-ending IR. I'm sorry. Like, there's 11 days till the season. You can't. Uh, you cannot roll with this unit. So let's yeah. find solutions. There are some solutions out there, Jake. Like, th- this may not be the end of the world, but I just don't have – faith that Ryan Pace is going to do anything about it. But number one, the most interesting thing I think of, of these options is the Broncos are shopping Bryce Callahan. If you bring Bryce Callahan back, I'm like, okay, like this is, this is what we're talking about. Cause we have a superior cornerback in Jalen Johnson. Bryce Callahan's one of the best to do it in the league in the slot. You can survive with incompetencies between Kindleville there, Duke Chalier, Artie Burns at that CB2. That's fine. You can survive that. If you bring in a guy like, Bryce Callahan. But if that doesn't happen, if they don't want to give up draft capital or they don't find anyone to trade back to them, there are some free agents available who are some very notable names, older players who kind of maybe on the down end of their career well, clearly are because they're unsigned. But you have Richard Sherman is still out there somehow, yeah. some way. You have Josh Norman. You have Drake Kirkpatrick. And you have Prince Mukamura. The best of those four, I still think at this moment, would be Richard Sherman. He was a yeah. pro bowler like two years ago, but you have guys available. Like you have guys available there. 
if you're going to go pull the trigger on a guy like Brashad Perryman, why the hell not pull the trigger on a guy like Richard Sherman or Drake Kirkpatrick? I mean, right? Like, why? Why not? What do you to lose it, with this room? We're talking about Xavier Crawford is CB4. It literally, it, it, it kills my soul. Like pieces of my soul are melting away now talking about this because we just did this with the offensive line. We just did this I with know, Jason Peters where you have to bring in these washed up old dudes who are fishing in creeks or sitting in their homes making pottery or something like you have to bring them in off the street. It's like, it's how did we get here? Like it's <laughs> the talent evaluation or rather the lack thereof is just uh, so unbelievably clownish that it yes. just, it hurt. It gives me a legitimate headache. Like it's we're, ta- we're sitting here talking about Prince Amukamara. He's been gone from the team for three years uh. now. Like Richard Sherman, fine, I get. Josh Norman, fine, I get. Even though Josh Norman's a bum now too. Like, yeah, but he's better than Xavier Crawford. It's so bad, and like that, the fact that you're here, Ryan Pace has put you in this position, not at just one position, because corner isn't the only one that you're here. We're like, okay, I gotta hope someone clears waivers tomorrow so I can sign them. Like that's the thing too. The Bears are very; they're at the bottom half of the pack as far as waiver uh, order goes. So you got to hope these guys go through 16 – these guys that are getting cut, rather. You got to hope these guys go through 16, 17, 18 different teams first, and none of those teams want these guys before you can say, oh, thank you. Thank you for these crumbs that you've so graciously given me so you can pick us apart in the next coming six months anyway. It's so unbelievably bad. Like, if not for – and I texted you this the other day. If not for steals and home runs and the like, Eddie Jackson, Justin Fields falling right into your lap. Jordan Howard to an extent. Darnell Mooney so far. The initial contract for uh, Allen Robinson. The Akeem Hicks signing that turned into yes. like if not for those Khalil home Mack runs, trade. the Camille Happy yes, thing, the Cleo Mac trade. Like if not for those home runs that overwhelmingly just overshadow everything, you look at what Ryan Pace has done. It's terrible. Like like if if Justin Fields had not fallen directly into your lap and you had taken. I don't know, uh, one of those linebackers or even Tevin Jenkins at number 20, whatever, something. You'd be Ryan Pace would be being dragged through the streets yeah. right now with yeah. Tevin Jenkins going on IR with uh, with a designation to return and two guys getting sent right to the practice squad from this draft class alone. It's terrible. It's insane. And but here we are talking about Justin Fields. We're so grateful that, you know, 10 other teams in the NFL fumbled the bag and let Justin Fields fall to number 11 in this draft for whatever reason. Oh, uh, but man. otherwise, like, it, it's those moves that Ryan Pace gets lauded as like, oh, he, he's good at his job. He does his job competently, at least. But really, I mean, here we are, like, the corners, you have five corners. You had four this morning. You have five now. Cornerback, when you knew DB was an issue all offseason. It's insane. Before- Yes, the moment offseason started. You well, you no, they didn't know the issue. They created the issue because you didn't have to cut Kyle Fuller. You sure. didn't have to do it. And sure. now you're looking at the the. And now if you're Ryan Pace and you're like, oh, you know what's what's going on with the cornerback room, Nagy? What are we? What's going? What are we doing, man? I don't know. You tell me. What the hell are you doing? Four months ago, cutting Kyle really? Fuller. What the hell? Like, yeah, you need to save cap room. There was other ways to do that. There were other ways to do that. I can assure you there were, all right? I'm not going to break down exactly what moves you could have made, but I'm sure you could have found a way to clear $9 million to re-sign Kyle Fuller for one year. Keep him on the roster, not re-sign. Just keep him on the roster. So 
that's that's where it's frustrating is you created this and and it's those decisions too like ryan paces is home runner strikeout there is no, he doesn't know how to hit a single yeah. he doesn't know how to hit a double or a triple he's either hitting a freaking home run that goes out of the park or he's striking out on yep. three straight pitches missing the ball like nine feet by like javier Baez. like that is the that is what ryan pace is okay and and it's the highs are so high that you know we love them yep. the day after the draft, and I I can't get enough of them. And the lows are so low as on a day like today that we hate them. We want to drag them through the mud. Um, so it it the aggregate ends up being somewhere in the middle, luckily for him. But um, it's it's frustrating because it's not just it's not just those draft moves. It's 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 obviously those other those other factors the cuts and and you know the contracts like a like a nick Foles contract that we can go back to is the worst trade in NFL that, was a, that was a trade, trade yeah you willingly took on that yeah. salary now and that's the reason you had to cut kyle fuller because you yes. had nick Foles sitting there to be q3 and now you can't convince anyone to take him <laughs> you've been shopping him around and now you say oh well we we want to send him to the right situation. We want to do right by Nick Foles. Why are yeah, we keeping yeah. these promises to these folks? <laughs> Who cares about Nick Foles' feelings? Get rid of the salary. Yeah, what do you owe Nick bro. Foles? You think Bill Bill Belichick just said Bill Belichick just looked at Cam Newton and said, "Screw you, pal. Like get out. Yeah. Like bye. Talk to you later. Don't need you. Your key card Literally. doesn't work anymore." <laughs> and how many more years was Cam Newton with the Patriots as Nick Foles with the Bears? Does that it's the team same on time? They're both with the team right. for and one year. But, but no, but, 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 yeah. Andy Dalton's going it's, out there uh, and Nick Foles is still on the roster because of well, we want to do right by them. And we made oh my God. It's just the just Jake. absolute word vomit that comes out of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy's mouth on a weekly basis. It's is just awesome. truly like they're like to quote to to quote a line from to be the nerd boy that I am to quote a line from Avengers Infinity War. It says Rhodes, your pension for bullshit is higher than mine. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's pension for bullshit is astronomical. Astronomical. <laughs> it makes no oh like it's God. insane. You get asked, did Trey Cohen have a second surgery on his knee? Mm. Oh, well, we're not going to discuss that. Why? It's a yes or no question. <laughs> yeah, what's the, Just what's say yes the or issue? no. Why does it matter, <laughs> too? Like, I, yeah. look, people, people in life, man, people in life, all they, all people want is honesty and transparency. Like, that's all people want in life. And that applies to football decisions as well. Is it that hard? Like, that's the biggest gripe that people have with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace when they head up to the mic is it's a whole bunch of bullshit and it's not transparent. It's not honest. I don't care if you want to tell me the bad news, at least tell me the news. You know what I mean? Like give me it straight, give it to me honestly and transparently, and then we can go from there. But you just create more problems for yourself by trying to be intentionally cryptic and and to things that don't need to be like certain things. Yeah. You can keep to yourself. You can keep in house organizations do that. But a question as simple as that, like what the hell are you talking about, dude? So that's it. yeah, it, it's it is it is just beyond frustrating. But with and that being to that point, yeah, to that point, uh, we'll circle to Tevin Jenkins now. Like they said today, oh, we knew about his back problem from the beginning, and the surgery alleviated those some of those concerns that we had right away. Then why did we spend two yes. months? You know, why did we spend all summer saying, started. "Yep, Tevin Jenkins, oh, he's getting better, he's getting close, yeah, he's." 
He's slowly getting there. He's slowly, but he's getting there. And we think, and yeah, great. You put him on IR today as opposed to yesterday. So I guess they think he can be back at some point. But I mean, why why the mystery around a second round rookie's injury? No, who who is game planning? The Rams aren't game planning for Tevin Jenkins. Exactly. The, Ra- exactly. the Rams aren't changing their playbook based on if Tevin Jenkins is out there or not. Who are you hiding this from? What's the point? Like, why are you being like you just drafted this kid? Everyone's excited about him. You go up to the mic and you word vomit about how excited you are and about how he's getting better and he's doing work on the side. And then the surgery drops out of nowhere. And then today, a week and a half before the season, we're saying, oh, well, we knew about all this and we knew it was a possibility. And now it's been cleared up with the surgery. We think it's going to be fixed. Huh? I, yeah, yeah. I, what they don't what they don't understand too is like that's not that's not helping that's not helping anyone understand like that doesn't help them at all. You be that may work for you. Like you being so you know not open about the situation just makes like just t- you should have from the start like just said this guy's gonna get surgery that case instead of coming in here and saying you know you we're, we're, he's in an ice bath and he's he's getting back massages every day we got the theragun going on him and all this you could it's like there's no secrets here like there doesn't need to be secrets with this situation so uh please let's write a letter to you know Hallis hall whatever their address is say hey just just be honest man be transparent just just tell us how it is all right just tell it how it is that's all we ask right. for here is bears fans that's it. Nothing, crumb nothing of more crazy than that. That's literally all, crumb. all we want. Um, another, I mean, offensive line is what it is at this point. There's really nothing else. We they, they looked bad. They looked real bad against Tennessee. Granted, it was the first time they had played together all year, all summer. And it was, it showed. I mean, it very much yeah. showed that this was the starting group. It was the first time they were playing together. Jermaine Effetti got beat bad a couple times. I mean, and I, singling him out, but like, the whole line played bad. I mean, nobody. Well, not well. Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair played well. Everybody right. Else. Your interior still is better. But, I mean, if Fetty, Peters, Daniels, they're just getting these reps in now. It, I mean, you have 11 days. You have 11 days to figure it out, to get your legs under you and to be ready for Aaron Donald and uh, Leonard Floyd and uh, Jalen Ramsey <laughs> and whoever else they throw at you. And you better be ready. Because otherwise, I mean, Andy Dalton's going to be leaving that stadium in a damn body bag. And I hope he doesn't because I hope he's not even on the field to potentially get hit that hard. And I hope Justin Fields is out there so he can actually run away from them. Yes. But, I mean, it's the, and that offensive line, it's what I've been saying all offseason. I'm scared for this offensive line. It's It does not look good. Yeah, I mean, that's like they have talent and they have potential to be okay but there is obviously a little bit of worry that one of those spots might not hold up jason peters looked fine well yeah yeah well so well i mean because jason peters looked fine i think he actually looked quicker and a little bit faster and up to speed than i expected for a man of his age at 39 um and and having not really played in a while yeah exactly so I, i was impressed to see what he did cody white here was the fourth highest graded guard in all of preseason as rated by pro football focus, Sam Mustafer looked fine and standing by bull rushing him with the middle. Um, and then obviously Fetty was kind of the big one who was allowing players uh, to get blindsided and whatnot, but this is a line that can hold up and I have faith that they, that they will be serviceable enough, but obviously, you know, it, it changes based on who the quarterback is, but, but 
to go back to preseason game three and talk about some other players who I actually thought looked good since we've been a little bit negative today about some of the Ryan Pace <laughs> draft is, picks of the past. This has been a very negative um, show for us. And, and don't worry because we'll be back next week for our preview show and I'll probably pick the Bears to win like 45 to zero or something because I'm a goddamn idiot <laughs> and I'll say I'll say Justin Fields is going to find a way to you know drug Andy Dalton before the game and we're it's all going to be okay we're going to figure it out uh, but no Travis Gibson looked really freaking good yeah and that's somebody who is like because of Robert Quinn's I God knows what's going on with him still. I mean, he, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't looked lethargic great. Lethargic performances. Yeah, lethargic is one way to put it. Uh, Travis Gibson could could step in there. He like he uh, he legitimately could. And that's why, like, as much as you want to bash Ryan Pace, uh, this is why we say strikeouts and home runs, because Travis Gibson may very well have been a home run in the fifth round last year. Um, we have yet to see it in real game action. But he was, like, it's one of those situations where I don't want I don't want you to give me the second string, third string offensive line argument because he was bull rushing every single player, dominating them. You saw the pure strength. There's certain traits that you can see that doesn't matter the competition they're playing. You know that this guy has the talent, and that was evident. So Travis Gibson is going to be an extremely important piece because not only is Robert Quinn lethargic at times, most times, um, they like to rotate their edge rushers quite yeah. consistent that quite consistently. Like we'll see times, you know, even last year where Travis Gibson there. We're like, what the hell? Where's Khalil Mack? Khalil Mack's on the field on third down. Well, as much as you would love to have Khalil Mack on the field on third down, Travis Gibson is this year better and more productive than what he was last year. So that's somebody who's going to be a very, very important little piece on the edge. So I was glad to see his performance in game three. Really excited me. No, and, and like you said, that's someone that uh, if he comes through, I mean, that's great. And, and to that uh, point that you said, I, I mean, Joel – Joel Iggy too. Iggy. I mean, he showed well. Looked good. He actually, and there was a while there that where we weren't sure if he was going to make the roster. He's there. Mm-hmm. Our guy Josh Woods is there. Um, Let's go, and, Josh. You uh, made it. And Caleb Johnson is there. So I mean, cr- clearly Chris Tabor was like, "Hey, I need these guys for special teams." So True. good for them. But I mean, Iggy actually like he, he's a guy that you think could be in the game and actually you know like make an impact. Not to say that you know Josh Woods and Caleb Johnson can't make impact plays, but they're more special teams guys. Like Joel Iggy, like. He's a draft pick. You expect him. Right. What was he? A fourth round? Fourth or fifth round? So I he's someone you expect. He was fourth. So he's someone you expect to make a little bit of an impact. And now with Danny Trevathan going on IR, which where the hell did that come from? Too, I don't know. Oh, but um, you know, I mean, thank God for Alec Ogletree and like his performance over the preseason and in camp because otherwise you'd be scrambling. But. I mean, yeah, there, there are a couple of guys who, I mean, between Gibson and Joel Igbidi, like, they're guys that you think can make an impact who you weren't expecting. And like we said, there's always those surprise guys, but it's nice that two of these surprise guys are from, you know, your own draft and guys that Ryan Pace actually maybe got right. Yes, that, that and that, exactly. And that's why there there is encouragement there. Um, and I don't know, maybe Thomas Graham and Des Newsom could end up being those guys as well but uh yeah i mean that's that that's fair enough but the danny trevathan thing i mean this i think it was kind of it, there there was something that was off initially when i saw we were carrying seven inside linebackers for the yeah. first half cut i said what the hell are we doing here seven inside linebackers and this defense makes zero sense but obviously they put him on ir he's only gonna miss two three games um he's just dealing with some knee stuff said ryan pace but what was weird was he played really well in preseason game three and that was supposed to be like the test for him was you know people actually thought he might have been he might have gotten cut if he didn't perform well in preseason game yeah. 
I don't know how valid that is, but he got the interception. He played well. Obviously, he proved that he should still be on the roster. Um, but it was just weird that he played so well and he looked up to speed and then now he's going to go on IR again. Like what, like, where is this coming from? Where, why do we not know about this in the past? I just, it just doesn't make any sense, but played I, on I, Sunday. exactly. I, I, it's, uh, I don't know. I, again, I know I have no clue, but Alec Ogletree, obviously we knew who he was going to make it. Christian Jones knew who he was going to make it. I was, but I was still a little bit surprised both Caleb Johnson and Josh Woods made. It. I thought it would be one of the two. They're both there. Uh, that's fine. There's another, um, position group i kind of want to talk about too though i want to talk about running backs because this was actually one of the position groups that i thought they would carry for and um i thought it was gonna be artavis pierce khalil herbert damian williams and dave montgomery obviously knowing that tree Cohen was going to go on ir he did but they only carried three they carried khalil herbert damian williams dave montgomery um but there's two conversations i have number one it's that Artavis Pierce did get brought back on, uh, brought back onto the practice squad. I'm not as upset about that because I really liked what I saw from Khalil Herbert. But now Tariq Cohen's out for six weeks, so let's talk about Damian Williams and what he can do now and how comfortable we are. Give me your comfort level one out of ten with him being that replacement for RB two. We've talked about this in the past, but now that we know it to be true, him at RB two. Are you? Let's let's put it this way: two ways. Are you more or less comfortable with him than Tariq Cohen? And then what is that comfort level out of ten? More comfortable, wow, eight point yep. five out of ten because for a couple reasons. Tariq Cohen, love him. Think he's a great gadget player. Think if you use him correctly, he's he could be a game breaker. And, you know, we saw with the touchdown passes mm-hmm. and what he can do in the uh, as a receiver too. Um, couple things: one, ACL injuries for a guy with that much explosiveness and the way he relies on cutting and moving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Will Cohen be the same player? That was my point. I don't know. And that's something that, but also, you know, I'm, I'm less concerned about that just because ACL injuries aren't the death sentence they used to be. And, you know, it's just now the second surgery, that kind of concerns me a little bit as far as that goes. But what, why I'm more comfortable with Williams is because when Cohen came into the games, when it was Jordan Howard, even when it was Montgomery to an extent, you knew what was happening. You knew it was going to be some kind of pass. Hardly ever was he going to run up the middle or bounce the outside. Like, he wasn't just going to be there to run hardly ever. And when he was, it was kind of obvious from the way they were lining up or, you know, they were giving extra blockers, whatever. So with Damian Williams, he has that, you know, David Montgomery, we think can both catch and run, obviously run. But yes. He catches well. He showed improvement there last uh, year, last season. Damian Williams, we know can do those things as well. So I am more comfortable with that and comfortable with that because you don't, you aren't selling out a facet of your game or of your game plan when Damian Williams comes on the field. When Cordero Patterson came on the field last year, you knew, all right, right load up the box right. because they're trying to get one or two yards here. And and, and, and every single time, it, it hard, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it hardly went anywhere. So, yeah, I'm definitely comfortable with the running back room. Khalil Herbert, like you said, showed the speed. He showed the great – like he was grinding out yards. So I'm really – like. I think running back is probably the room I'm most comfortable with on this roster. One thing I was going to, I was going to actually pose that question. I guess you read my notes. I was going to ask which room are you most comfortable with? It's yeah. definitely running back for me. I, I I'll agree with both of yours. I'm going to go like eight out of 10 comfort level. And I think I'm more comfortable than with Cohen. I mean, the problem too with Cohen was I'm not, I'm not entirely sure 
how much Matt Nagy knows how to how to game plan for him and how to call plays for him. I mean, we we've talked yeah. about this conversation in the past. It's like the wrong situations. He's coming in the game. He's coming in the game on third and four. Why is he coming in the game on third and two, third and three? Why is he you know running it up the middle or why is he bouncing it outside in situations where he should be running it up the middle? Obviously, these are conversations to be had. But Demi Williams is just I like. Tariq Cohen's one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. I mean, statistic-wise, the amount of receptions he's put up in the past, he he was near the top of the league in receptions. But I think Damian Williams might be a better pure runner, pure running back. And the, from what I've seen from him in the past and the tape I've watched from him in Kansas City, from the times we've seen him in preseason, this is a player who who is, I think, oh, wow. a little bit more knowledgeable when when they're looking at the line of scrimmage when they're looking where to go he hits the spot he doesn't have to bounce around he doesn't have to take too long to diagnose i think he knows more what he's doing what when he sees what's in front of him so that's what encourages me about damian williams and i think we saw in the preseason games he goes out he finds the hole and he hits it you know what i mean he's not bouncing around he's not doing the Tariq cohen where well, that, that was worked, yeah but, that was the problem with Tariq cohen he he did the devin hester uh, he was yes, just run, run backwards run side exactly. to side looking for that lane and then yes. it wouldn't show up and you lost 15 yards or something instead of, you know, ga- instead of gaining two or three, you would lose 10. So yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's a bit, like Damian Williams, like you said, pure runner. He was almost a Super Bowl MVP. So yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's far and away an upgrade. I, I think, uh, I mean, maybe not far and away, but no, it's not far and away, but it, it, it's not, but it an, it's, I, I think it's a lateral it makes the situation worse. for the team. Like Tariq Cohen might be, I like I I hesitate to say more talented, but like he might be more electric, or he might give you. Oh that yeah, joke yeah, more. yeah, 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 for but sure. But like Damian Williams gives you a better situation as a team. Yes, makes your offense better. I think honestly. So, um, that's yeah. But I, I'm I'm comfortable with that. And Clue Herbert's going to get some tick, and it's just like yeah, you compare this so. running back room. Like for years, like we've talked about how important the running back is. The running backs are, and the running game is to a successful offense. Obviously, this isn't just a Bears you know knowledge just as football knowledge obviously you have a good running game you have a diverse mm-hmm. running attack it's going to help your offense from the passing side as well um and now you look like let's just compare last year from this year you already compared you had day montgomery yes both but this is a day montgomery who's faster it's a day montgomery who's quicker now his third year in the league he's obviously going to be a more developed player um now you go to running back two we were literally talking about cordero patterson ryan Nall. um and, and Artavis Pierce at times and, and Tariq Cohen before he got injured. But, you know, a, a, after he got injured, it was literally, you know, Cordell Patterson is going to, you know, be getting a whole lot of snaps. And now we're looking at Demi Williams and Khalil Herbert, who showed a lot. Like, yeah. just though that difference. I know we're talking about depth players here, but still RB2s and RB3s in the league are, have an impact. Obviously, we know this in the past. Um, but you look at those teams like the Colts, you look at those teams like the Broncos in the past with Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon and some of the things. Look they at the do. two super look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last Great. Time. Perfect. Perfect. Um <laughs> like Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Darrell Williams, all the guys that they had over in Kansas City, LaShawn McCoy, um, and then no LeVion Bell. McCoy. Yeah, Le- well Le'Veon Bell got like one carry, but still I yes. mean but and, I mean, but yeah, then too. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Jones. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like it's it's and and that's why I really liked what you said when you know how how are you going to confuse a defense? You know what I mean? Like you're going to confuse a defense in a lot of different ways because this isn't just a, a gadget player who's going who, who you can game plan for. Like these players can do different things, and I just I'd like to talk about the offense as a whole again. And, and with the addition of Bashad Perryman. This is an extremely like this is the offense I think Matt Nagy has always wanted. If I'm being completely you, honest, you tweeted this. I you tweeted, tweeted this. this. I and and I fully stand by this. Now again, 
Justin Fields over Andy Dalton is is obviously what he would want. But if you look at the skill players, wait, and you kind of rewind, compare rewind, it- rewind, rewind. Okay, I want to address the Matt Nagy situation because okay. Bubba, love you. You you bring it up every week. Matt Nagy's not going anywhere. He's yeah, he's last. He's going to get this year, and he, and he's getting next year. He's getting question next was year does Nagy sure. last the year? Yes, he does. Because and, and here's why: because he's going to get this year already. Because yes, you're locked in with him this year. He's made the playoffs three times, and no, two times. Did I say three? Yeah. 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 Two times. Three, 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 um, three, not losing seasons. Right. That's what it is. Three, (laughs) three, at least 500 seasons and twice in the playoffs. They're going to give him this year. They made that very clear. He's their guy. And I'm going to tell you why he gets next year as well, because next year they're going to say, oh, well, he has Justin Fields now for a full year. He has everything he wants to do. Matt Nagy, you're stuck with him for two more years. But anyway, back to uh, Kevin's point about Matt Nagy having the offense he finally wants as far as personnel yeah i mean like you just look you look at the offense as a whole and you look at what he was kind of dealing with uh dealing with with kansas city when he was over there um you look at the skill receivers you have yes you have one of the top 10 receivers in the nfl a guy who's not a blazer like tyree kill but he's obviously not going to go ever ever go wrong with top 10 wide receiver who can do a different thing kind of a jack all trades you could say he can do everything from you know short close slot routes to outside deep routes um possession catches anything you want but then you look at the other guys, and this is where I think the comparisons start to come in, is first of all, you have a very athletic tight end in Colt Komet. Obviously, he is nowhere near Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is going to, at the end of his career, arguably be the best tight end of all time. He's nowhere near that from a skill standpoint, but you look at their traits and their similarities. Colt Komet's a fast player. Colt Komet's an athlete. They're both extremely athletic tight ends. There's that comparison. And then you look at the wide receivers after that number one guy. Kansas City has never really worked with two superstar wide receivers. Like they've never worked with a Mike Evans, Chris Godwin type deal in, in, mm-hmm. uh, sure. in Tampa. Bay. The best they probably had was Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Sammy Watkins is another player who's extremely fast. And then they draft Michael Hardman and they have Byron Pringle. And they have all these guys who are just extremely fast, who can just do whatever the hell they want when they're out there and confuse the defense. That's what you have right now. You have Marquise Goodwin, who kind of serves as that Miko Hardman type guy. You have Darna Moon, who kind of serves as that Sammy Watkins guy. And then you have Demir Bird, who's actually really who actually really impressed me, like with his quickness and speed explosiveness on screen routes, which I think you're going to see a lot of. And then you look at running backs. You have a running back who can do not only run the ball, but catch the ball well, who's extremely athletic. I just and then you have Damian Williams, obviously, who's with him in the past. Mm-hmm. So I just I think this offense is finally what he wants. And you look at the offenses of years past, it wasn't everything that he wanted. It wasn't everything that he needed out of his offense. And you could see him trying to, you know, fit Ron pegs into square holes with his personnel on offense. He was trying to call plays that didn't match the personnel, including the quarterback position. Now there's no excuses anymore because people made that an excuse in the past, including me was he doesn't necessarily have the right quarterback. He doesn't necessarily have the right personnel to run the offense that he wants to run, right? He's running an offense based off of Kansas city. He doesn't have that personnel. He has to work with that personnel. Now he has the personnel at one point this season, he will have the quarterback. There are no more excuses for Matt Nagy from a play calling standpoint. There is nothing at all. So as much as you may be right about him being locked in because of those other factors, it will be interesting to monitor how well the offense is doing from a play calling standpoint with everything that he wants, because we know like, cause first of all, Jake last year, it was everything he wanted from the quarterback position, right? He went out and yeah. asked for Nick Foles. Now that isn't a player that fit his personnel. And that's why I think this year is different is because obviously, although you want Nick Foles, he doesn't fit what you want to do on the offensive side of the ball with the bootlegs and the play action, right? That obviously is mm-hmm. not 
what you get out of Nick Foles in that offense. But now you have everything. You have all your personnel. It didn't work last year with the guy you wanted. It, the play calling sucked. You have zero excuses now to call plays poorly. And what concerned me, though, was, Jake, the play calling was not good in preseason game three with Justin right. Fields. It wasn't great. It wasn't encouraging. When we were talking about third and four, we got three guys running hitch routes again. Like, yeah. what the fuck are we doing? Can we throw the ball now, downfield? That, Can we mix it that up? That could be, in that instance, it, that could be an uh, instance of trying to protect your guys. You know, because it is the third preseason yeah, game. Like, like maybe. if that was the second I, yeah, game you can't, or maybe the yeah, first sure. game. You, like, it, like when it's the preseason, there sure. is the kind of that leeway where you could say, okay, well, you know, you don't want some of these guys to get their heads taken off across the middle or, you know, down the field, something like that. So you could theoretically make that argument. I agree with you. The play calling wasn't great for as much Justin Fields as we saw. But yeah. to that point, you know, however long we're going to have to deal with Andy Dalton out there starting is how long we're going to have to deal with the subpar play calling, though, too. The yeah, problem, exactly. Which is an issue. Exactly, and that's where I, I, I just I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how I don't know how he sees that as helping him. I don't know how he sees that as helping his case. Although we say he's locked in, I don't know how him. I just it's illogical. It's illogical. But um, we're not gonna have we're not gonna have that conversation again. We beat it to death. So <laughs> um, I'm sorry. We have we have anything else. Um, on the position groups that kind of does this sit out to you on this 53 man roster before we wrap up anything else that kind of caught your eye? Uh, the one thing, the what's his name? The kicker, Brian Johnson, I think who they resigned. Yeah, the brought back to the practice I was kind of surprised he made it through the waivers because he played really well in the preseason. And it's lucky that you kind of, cause I mean, the bears luck with kickers. Yeesh. And I mean, you know, you maybe with COVID, with everything, with the way kickers are streaky, you maybe can get something for Johnson as the year goes on. I mean, who knows what happens yeah, maybe. as time goes on. Um, I do think we see Daz at some point uh, because I don't think that – because here's the thing. Between Bird and Goodwin and Perriman, those guys all bring generally similar skill sets. At Bird, you're probably more inclined to keep because he actually – you know, he had 600 yards last year and he could do some returning work. But between Goodwin, who opted out last year, and Perriman, who's just been fine over his career, I think you're going to maybe see Daz at some point. Uh, free Daz. I think we should maybe roll it with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, the only thing, it's just, I mean, safety was what we thought it was going to be. I think we could have predicted that from the beginning. Yes. The, the only thing that gives me confidence like the second, the second most that gives me kind of the defensive line. Eddie Goldman looked like Eddie Goldman on Sunday, which is very oh good to see because God. we saw what you were missing without him last year. Without that presence in the middle, I mean, it was very evident. I mean, teams could run up the middle on you, and having that force back, like that's huge for you. And obviously, a healthy Akeem Hicks is going to be a part of that. And anything you can get from guys like Kyrus Tonga and Angelo Blackson is gravy. Is as long as you get this year which I do. Yes. Uh, I mean, well, so because Mario Edwards is out with a suspension for two games, I think it's a suspension. Yeah. I know he's out for two games. It was. Um, so it you was lose like that. And Mario Edwards is a, is a very good role piece, mm -hmm. but I mean, we obviously know the impact of what a good front seven does. And like uh, Eddie Goldman, that's the I, like, thing though too. That's why you need, you need Rob Quinn to show up. You need Travis Gibson to hopefully continue making right. these splash plays because if you can, that's going to make life easier for, 
Kendall Vildor and Artie Burns. Yes. God, I can't believe I'm saying that as those guys as the starters, but unfortunately that's the life we live right now. Yes. But if you got if you don't want those guys to get picked apart, like that pass rush has to be there. Like Khalil Mack's gonna do his thing. And hopefully he's fully healthy and he can kind of get back to that all pro kind of production that you expect from him. But Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson and, and you know those guys along the front, if you can get to the quarterback, you kind of you alleviate that pressure. Uh, you cut down on that liability that the secondary mm-hmm. is giving you. So, I, I mean, that I, it's like they kind of go hand in hand. Like, I'm worried so much about the corners, but if you can get back to that pass rush that you know from 2018, which, in fairness, is unreasonable to expect and to compare them to 2018 because that was a historic group. But if you can get back to even kind of that, like, I'll take 2019's defense. Like, if you can get back to that, it's just something – to get after the quarterback, that's going to make life easier for those corners, and they maybe yes. don't get exposed as much. I mean, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who arguably had the best front seven yeah. in the league last year, had a very good top five defense. Their cornerback group, as of right now, consists of Joe Hayden, who's solid, but I think yeah. Jalen Johnson's better than him, Cameron Sutton, who you've never heard of, James Pierre, who you've never heard of, and Justin Lane. Like we're talking about the same type of deal here. Is, no, no. Uh, however, talent wise, the, the Steelers also have Minka Fitzpatrick, so that kind right. of <laughs> yeah. But then we have Eddie Jackson. What I'm just trying to say who is like, like crap they, last year. Who, yes, but I I have faith in Eddie Jackson. I have faith in Eddie Jackson. I think he, he has a cereal now. Did you see that? Yeah, he does have a cereal. The Jackson squares or whatever they're called. I don't know. Should what they're we called. review it on the show next week? I am. Let's. We got to make a YouTube video. I, I, I can't. I can't get it because I'm currently not in the. City, oh, you can't. I'll you can. It. You. You review it. Um, but yeah, I like obviously they understand a, a good front seven can alleviate the, the pressure off the defense and and I think the off, off the secondary rather. And I think the Bears understand that too, which is why they consistently load up on guys up the middle. Um, and maybe that's their thought process. But the thing that I will say one before we head out to about the safeties is it is interesting that they brought back Marquis Christian as well. And you do keep Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson. What that means is you're going to see a lot of nickel and dime packages. And what that's going to do is you're going to be able to bring those guys in, guys who have a lot more talent into the mix there um, instead of, you know, Xavier Crawford or even an Artie Burns at times. So you're going to see more capable players there move into that those nickel corner slots potentially be that nickel player there on defense um i think that's why they brought back a guy like marky christian but we got to go soon so man and, and, i and of course the like this situation is completely fluid i mean guys are going to get added and dropped and cut and put on ir and re-added and it's going to be a whole thing we got 11 days of this and it's going to shuffle but come back next week first official game preview of 2021 we're finally here seasons in 11 days we'll be back here next week 8 p.m twitch.tv slash chicago for real bears nation podcast on youtube we'll be back to preview week one sunday night football against the rams and we'll be here we hope you are too till next time as always I'm